And welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis. I'm the host. And Oscar Mike Radio is about being on mission for our military and veterans and, and things, topics, and stories that affect our military and those who have served. And I've got a special guest with you tonight. Uh, without any further ado, I want to introduce Steve Emt. Did I get that right, Steve? Yes, you did, Travis. Yep. Yes, the Marine Corps did it again. Steve, welcome <laughs> to Oscar Mike Radio. Hey, hey, thanks for having me, Travis. It's an, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I know everything you do for the military and whatnot, and, uh, you know, just is pleased to be here. I thank you very much. It's no problem. Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, it's kind of interesting how Steve and I got connected, and this is one of the best parts of doing this show and how a lot of things happen between veterans. Uh, I'm on Facebook messing around. I see this post from Dean Wegner, who I had on for number 173. And Dean is talking about this gentleman who he went to West Point with, which I, I got to get some good stories there here in a second, but who is, is a, a Paralympian doing curling. And, and he has some cool shirts. I'm going to have the link here in the show post about how to order those and a donation link to support you, Steve, in going to the Paralympics. And so I'm just, I just had to get connected, reached out to Dean, and here we are. So... Now, first and foremost, I mean, you went to West Point, which we were talking before the show is not an easy place to get into. How did that start? And how did you meet Dean? Well, fortunately, I was a very good athlete growing up. So I had the, the sports background to help me out get into the academy. You know, junior, senior year of high school, I was being recruited to play soccer, basketball around the country. And West Point sent me some literature and I went home and I brought it home to my parents. My father looked at me. He's like, Steve, do you know what this place is? <laughs> do you realize what you want to do here? And I saw the uniforms. I saw the military and the division one sports. And I said, hey, yeah, I want to do it. He said, all right, you're crazy, but I'm behind you hundred percent. So um, I went to prep school for a year to, to get my grades up a little bit and then entered West Point and, and stayed there for two years. It was an absolutely incredible time of my life. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I met Dean my freshman year. We were classmates in a couple of our classes and, you know, see him around campus. Obviously, freshman year, plebe year, you can't talk to anybody else. So we would kind of sneak some cordial hellos here and there. But just, uh, you know, incredible time at West Point, incredible people to this day, you know, 35 years later, just still communicate and catching up with old classmates from prep school and from West Point. Incredible times. Well, that was the interesting thing, right? It's, it's, it's you know, decades later and, and the connection's still there and, and you know he heard about what you were doing and and did this and again he's 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 for you because he's you know a fellow west pointer and because of what you're doing and you know the, the shirts are cool folks they're dropping soon you want to get those but it's just that connection so you leave west point and it's my understanding you you, you continued your education and then you got into an accident and, and there's several reasons why you said you got in that accident. Do you, do you, do you want to go into that? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, unfortunately my, my plebe year, my father passed away all of a sudden he was 57 years old, perfectly healthy. I was 19 years old at the time. I thought I was man enough, mature enough and, and tough enough to deal with it. I actually left West Point on a Tuesday, came back. We buried my father on a Thursday and I went back to school on Sunday. And I was 19 years old and it was stupid to do at the time. West Point said, Steve, you know, take a semester off. Go home, uh, be with your family, get some counseling if you need to, whatever it might be. Just take your time to grieve the loss of your father. And I didn't do that. You know, Travis, I thought I was tough enough and mature enough. I thought I was invincible. 
and not, and you know, I can get through this and it'll be okay. And I ended up doing poorly in academics for the next semester. I was on academic probation for my first two years there. And I just decided to, to, you know, to leave West Point and come back and be with my family. I came back here to, to Connecticut. I live in Connecticut and I rolled in the University of Connecticut. One day I'm playing intramural basketball and the head coach of the basketball team, Jim Calhoun, who was a Hall of Famer, national championship coach, uh, saw me playing, offered me a spot on a team. So for two years, from 1992 to 1994, I was a walk-on for the University of Connecticut. <laughs> Fourth ranked team in the country. I'm I was going to say, I mean, that's insane. Right, right. Fourth ranked team in the country. I'm playing with future pros like Ray Allen, who's a Hall of Famer now, uh, Scott Burrell, Kevin Ollie, Daniel March, all these guys that went off and played 15, 16 years in the league, making all the money, playing all the, you know, the game they love. And I was fortunate to be there. I played 38.7 seconds in two years, Travis. <laughs> 30. <laughs> I don't round up. I don't round down. I'm very proud of that 38.7. Never touched the ball. I think I kicked it one time, you know, I don't, why I don't know, but just, you know, being a part of that program, being a Husky, it's just the same as a military. And now everywhere we go, obviously, as being veterans, you know, you see another veteran and, and you want to go up to them and talk to them and share stories. It's the same thing with UConn and UConn basketball. You know, once you're a Husky, you're always a Husky. So, you know, I've got, I've got military friends from 35 years ago, you know, still staying in touch. I've got basketball player friends from 25 years ago, still staying in touch. Just incredible, incredible times. Unfortunately, at the age of 25 years old, one night I made a stupid, stupid decision to get behind the wheel of my truck after I'd been drinking. You know, a lot of factors went into that. I, you know, unfortunately, I started drinking when I was in middle school, high school, West Point. When I lost my father, I kind of masked everything with alcohol there. And then I go to and then I go to UConn. And again, I'm at UConn and I'm the man. I'm walking around campus like, you know, I'm, I, I got my UConn basketball gear on and I'm invincible again and I can't be touched. And one night when I was 25 years old after I left UConn, I, you know, I proved myself wrong with that. Real bad accident. I don't remember the accident itself. The last thing I remember is getting into my truck, putting the keys in the ignition and starting up and starting to drive down the road. From what I was told, I was traveling about 85 miles an hour when my truck went off the side of the road. I passed out behind the wheels about two o'clock in the morning and I hit a ditch and I started a cartwheel and roll and flip 75 yards down the road, three quarters the length of a football field. My truck came to rest in a, di in a ditch and it's roof, completely shattered windows, tires blown out, sheet metal, everything gone. I was found laying next to my truck, which meant I didn't have my seatbelt on, which was another terrible, terrible decision. A police officer just happened to find me. He was driving the other way on the highway and his light shined off the chrome of my truck. He turned around, he got to the scene. He saw me laying next to the truck. Obviously my clothes were all torn off, uh, bleeding from my nose, my mouth, my ears, cuts all over my body. He got on the radio and he called the hospital. A hospital sent Lifestar helicopter. Got me back to the hospital, multiple surgeries, massive internal bleeding. Uh, they cut me open from my chest down to my navel. Uh, I broke my back in you know, many places, uh, three different places, actually. I broke up the majority of my ribs, blew up both my knees, head injury. I mean, I was an absolute mess, Travis. I was going down. I was going down the drain. Uh, I ruptured my spleen. They took that out, so I get sick pretty easy now. But most importantly, I severed my spinal cord. Spinal cord is the membrane that runs from your brain down to your pelvis. It serves as a central highway for all the communication. You stub your toe. A signal gets sent to the spinal cord, it gets to your brain and tells you that you're hurt. Well, I severed it right about the belly button. And therefore, I'm now paralyzed from the waist down. Can't feel my legs, can't move my legs, can stick a knife in my leg right now, I wouldn't feel it. And, uh, you know, at 25 years old, when most people are getting set in their lives, you know, maybe settling down with their loved one, 
looking at the house, settling into their career, you know, all this stuff. I could have been some, I could have done some great things in my life. I could have gone overseas and played professional basketball and professional soccer. You know, I had my, everything going for me. I'm Steve Emp. I'm the man. I'm the most, the most, you know, successful high school athlete ever to come out of my high school. I was a West Point cadet. I was a UConn basketball player. And now at 25 years old, you know, I'm fighting for my life. I was in a coma for two days. The way I came out of my coma was I had this dream that I was at my old house growing up and it was a spring day, but it was kind of rainy and the window was open. I remember I was in my old bedroom and I remember a cloud of mist came in the window and it was so hot. I kind of leaned forward into that cloud of mist to cool myself off and something grabbed me and threw me down in the corner of a closet. It started spinning me around real fast. And as that's going, going on, I saw a beautiful, bright skeleton of a person. And then all of a sudden, all those bright lights came together at one point and I woke up from my coma exactly two days after my accident. Now, everybody that I've talked to in the last 25 years, I've told that story to, have all said the same thing. Probably my guardian angel, probably my father, saying, hey, get back down there. You know, do something with this. You, Steve, you screwed up. You know what? Take responsibility for it. Take, deal with the consequences. You're going to deal with it for the rest of your life. But take responsibility. Talk to people. Listen to people. Hear their story. Share your story. You can impact people's lives. And that's what I do. That's why I do what I do now, Taylor. That's why I travel around and I speak and I talk and I share my story. Just it's it's so important. So well, important just, for people there. Well, just to go back a little bit, I mean, this happens and there's the the, the physical healing process. So was it right away that you decided, you know what, I, I, I messed up. I really did. And I'm going to take action and change now. Or did it take you, you know, six months, 18 months, a couple of years to figure out where your path was after this happened? Because like you said, you were really, you know, had the world by the hands at this point in your life. I did. I did. And when I woke up from my coma, the first person I saw was a doctor that had performed a surgery on me two nights prior. And she leaned over my lifeless body. And she said to me, Stephen, you've been in a bad automobile accident. You will never walk again. And she left the room. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, talk Best about side that. Man, man, yeah. Right? Woo! I mean, I'm, I'm all for one. You know, give it to me like it is. But I mean, you know, cut me a break here, Doc, on this one. <laughs> but I'm glad she did that. And then the next person that came in was my mother. And she leaned over my body. And I saw the tears welled up in her eyes and I saw one teardrop fall from her eye and hit me in the cheek and rolled down my face and she kissed me on the forehead she said Stephen I love you and she left the room you know then all the questions came in Travis you know, wh where am I what did I do what's going on you know the hell that I put my mother through for two days and my sister my sisters and my brother and my girlfriend at the time and all the people that are wondering if Steve's gonna be okay you know two days of coma and hearing the stories you know, of the doctors coming to my family and say, hey, we don't think Steve's going to make it through the night. You better start making funeral arrangements or seeing the priest come in to read me my last rites. You know, what? why did I Why did I do this? My poor mother who just buried her husband of 27 years, just five years prior. You know, what did I do here? How am I going to get through life now? Who's going to want me? Uh, who am I going to be a burden on? I'm a, a half a vegetable. I didn't know anything about paralysis at the time. I didn't know any of that stuff. So as far as recovery, it, it, it took it, it didn't take too long for me, to be honest with you, Travis. I was in a hospital for about two months. And the way I do, 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 there's a defining moment in my life. And one day in the hospital, the nurses were carrying me from my wheelchair to my, from my bed to my wheelchair, and they dropped me. And, they, and I fell right on the tire of my wheelchair, and I bruised my tailbone. 
that's something that could kill somebody in a wheelchair. If they don't take care of their bottom and their, and their backside, if there's a bruise and they don't know, that could kill somebody in a wheelchair within you know days, weeks. So for two straight days, I had to lay in bed on my side with my butt cheeks taped wide open to the window to try to heal up for two straight days. And that's when I hit rock bottom. That's when I had thoughts of, you know what, maybe this world's a better place without me in it. Thought about taking my own life, the darkest days of my life. I was a miserable jerk. People would come in and try to help me. I would yell at them. I would scream at them. I would curse at them. I would throw things, get the hell out of my room. I don't need your help. Leave me alone for two straight days. It was hell. But then something incredible happened, Travis. I healed up. They put me back in my chair, gingerly this time. They wheeled me down to the swimming pool and they put me in this chair and they put a life jacket on me and they lifted me over the side of the pool. And as they're lowering me into the water, I saw the water hit my feet and I couldn't feel it. And I thought to myself, this is weird. What's going on? And the water's coming on my legs. And I still can't feel it. And it's coming up my head. I can't feel it. And all of a sudden, it hit my hands, my arms, my chest, and my face. And it was absolutely the most incredible, powerful feeling I've ever felt in my life. And as I'm floating around this pool with my life jacket on, about eight weeks after my accident, I made a decision right there in the pool that I need to change my life right now. I need to do this. I don't want to be the person I've been for the last two days. I don't want to be the burden on anybody. I don't want to be the, 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 the miserable jerk that nobody wants to be around. And, and just because I'm, I did something to myself and I'm having a bad day, I'm not going to make somebody else have a bad day because of that. And I made a decision right there. I'm going to change my life and I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to get, I'm going to go through these steps and I'm going to do this myself. Yes. The doctors, the nurses, the mentors, those are all mentors in my life. My family, my support system, and absolutely incredible people. I've had incredible mentors in my life. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's myself. I so so you, you made the choice right then. You said, I'm going to do this. I have to own this and make the change. You made the choice. No one forced you. Absolutely. It was me. And, and we all, you know what, Travis? We all have this inside of us. We, we are we are capable of incredible things. Nowadays, too many people are looking outside for for in, for power and influence and, and inspiration. No, we got it inside of us. We can't, we will do this. When I was growing up, Larry Bird was my hero. All right. But when I woke up at 25 and I was told that I was never going to walk again, Larry Bird's not going to help me walk. You know, the doctors, the nurses, the family support, they're not going to help me walk. I'm going to get through this. All right. No matter what comes my way. I will deal with this and I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to do this for my family and my loved ones and everybody else. And right there in the pool, I got out of it as quickly as possible. In the next six weeks or so, I got out of the rehab hospital and I was home within three weeks after my accident, back to work with about four weeks after my accident, or excuse me, months, about four months after my accident. Four months. Four months. We got to get on. We got to get on with life. Things happen, you know, Chad, every day things happen to us. But it's not the end of the world. You know, there's people living out in the woods right now. There's, unfortunately, there's wars going on. I mean, hey, we're okay. We will get through this. Well, before we get into some of the other things, just, you know, talking to veterans who have PTSD or going through hard times, what do you think about that? And the reason I ask that is sometimes, you know, I get it, something very bad happened. They saw and experienced stuff that, you know, 99.9% .9 of the planet doesn't see, but is it still, is it possible for them to 
to take your attitude and change their life or is other, are other things needed? What, what, what do you feel about that? No, I feel, I feel that anybody to a, to a degree can at least start in the right direction to changing their life. Okay. You know, and I agree with you 100% with PTSD and, and the things that people have been through. And, and there's, there's more people that are walking around this earth with PTSD that I think we know about. And, you know, a lot of people in our lives have some level of it. Um, but with what I did, at least we can get going in the right direction. You know, and, and, and I wrote a book recently, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the, 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 the part of it, the action plan in the book, there's six steps to it. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe these people could take one of those six steps and work on that for a month or six months or something, or maybe it's my story, or maybe it's half the, the plan, whatever it might be. But there's, there's something out there. Every one of us has it inside of us to at least get started and at least get moving in the right direction. And if that means that I got to, you know, kick, kick your butt, then I'll do it. Or you got to, or somebody, you know, then, Hey, you know, bring us on. We will, we will do this. But if that, ultimately it comes down to the individual, and everybody is capable of doing it, no matter what they've been through. Right? There are people, the people I met at the Paralympic Games, I met a, a, an athlete from Canada. From, he lost an arm and two legs in a war. And he's, he gets around on a skateboard, Travis. He doesn't use a wheelchair. He's got one arm. All right. He gets around on a skateboard. He's a biathlete, which is what? skiing and rifle shooting. Right. And he, and he wins a gold medal. Guy's got one arm. All right. The next time your audience stubs your toe or something, I want you to think about that. Another American skier. She's totally blind. 70 miles an hour down the hill. Totally blind with her husband about 10 yards behind her guiding her. Talk about trust. Talk about crazy. I mean, you're nuts. But that's that's what we're capable of doing. We all have it inside of us. So I understand the PTSD and it's awful. And you were right. They, you know, they've seen and been through some horrific things. But we can at least start and get moving in the right direction. And with it's you know, still the up, individuals empowered to start yes and get going that's it that's it you know what some people have taken my my book already and say I, they told me i've heard from people all around the world travis listen you've changed my life steve you saved my life but you know but i don't want it you are the hero all right you're the one i just showed you the way i've had other people tell me listen i just took step three and that and that helped me out today it didn't change my life but it helped me get through the day hey that's why i did it and that's why we're here so this happens four months later, you're back to work. When did this change happen that you're like, you know, I have a message to tell other people I'm going to write this book. How did all that get going? I've always had it inside of me. I've always wanted to. I've always been told Travis, always Steve, I don't understand how you got through it all. You know, you lost your father. My mother recently passed away a little over about eight years ago. I've lost uh, my nephew in a horrific car accident. I've lost a brother-in-law. I've, you know, I've my own accident. And, and people are like, Steve, all this, I mean, you wake up at 25 and told you you're never going to walk again. I wouldn't, I would have killed myself, Steve. And I'm like, no, no, until, until something like this happens to us, we don't know how powerful we are when our back's against the wall and we got to battle and get through it. We don't know how powerful we are and we are incredibly powerful. So I've been thinking about it for years. And then finally, you know, I needed some time to do it. And, you know, last spring, this thing called COVID hits and uh, we all got some time. So I just put my mind, everything I, everything I had in my mind, all the thoughts and all the experiences, I just started write, 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 journal, journal, write, talk, text, everything. It was an incredible experience. It was so cathartic, Travis. It was, it was just so, so soothing to be able to get everything out and put it on paper. And 
and just get it organized. Yeah, because your book was published like last year, very recently. It was published in November. Yep. Yeah, it's out on Amazon. Yeah, it's doing it's doing well. Got hit the number one uh, bestseller for a while, and going to get it back there again. Just incredible, incredible experience. You know what? And it, I don't care about selling copies, Travis. I care about getting my message out. And, and again, if it's if it's my story, what I've been through, that's going to inspire you to get off the couch today. Then that's that's why I did it. If it's one of my if one step one, step two, all six, whatever it might be, if it's something in that book that inspires you to get off the couch and get moving and make that change in your life and be your own hero, love yourself and look at yourself as your own hero, then I've done my job. Be your own hero. Take action for yourself. You decide. Yes. So I'm looking at the book. I didn't get a chance to buy it because look, folks, we literally, um, you know, I, I, saw, I found this, I think Sunday afternoon and we're talking 24 hours later. That's, that's how fast things happen. Right. Yes, sir. And, which is great. Cause I just, I made a decision. I just went with it. There and, you go. <laughs> but where did the, the, you have an acronym for the word decide? And I just kind of, want to ask you to kind of go over what those acronyms mean. What's that mean? And how does that empower people? Yes, definitely. The acronym, the word is decide. It is an acronym. The D stands for to determine that a change needs to be like, the change needs to be made in your life. So determine. The first E is to educate yourself. We can't do anything on education. Read, call the number, talk to people, YouTube, whatever it might be. All right, educate, gather information. The C is to create a plan. We can't do anything without a plan in our lives. Create a plan. The I is to implement that plan. All right, we've got this incredible plan in place, but if we just sit back and look at it every day and we don't put it into work, it's not gonna do anything for us. The second D is to don't ever give up, no matter what. Keep plugging, keep going, break down those walls, open up those windows. Somebody tells you no, you go ask them again. You, know, you, you get knocked down nine times, you get up 10. Do you, think, do you think people quit too soon? Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. The greatest people in the world, the, the winners, the winners don't ever, ever, ever stop. Uh, a great book, uh, Old School Grit by Darren Donnelly. I highly recommend that book. In that book, he's got a quote, something like, and I'll, I'm going to misquote it, but something along the lines of, you know, this, the people that succeed, we know things are going to happen. Every day things happen to us. But it's those people that keep fighting through it and find a way through it that are successful. And that's what it's about. Finally, the last E and decide is to evaluate. You know, we got to take a look at our plan every day. You know, hey, was this a good day? Did I reach my goal? Okay. Then if you did, then, then do the same thing tomorrow, but make it a little bit better and get better and better every day. If we didn't reach our goal today or if we didn't have a good day, then something needs to change and we'll get better for tomorrow. So determine, educate, create, implement. Don't ever give up and then evaluate. Six steps that got me through. I came this over the last 20 years since my accident. I thought to myself, how did I get through all the stuff I did? How did I become a Paralympian? You know, this isn't just bad stuff. You know, you've got a decision in your life. Maybe you've got a promotion coming up. Well, what do you got to do? If we go through these steps, we'll knock out that promotion. So it's good situation, bad situation. Something that has worked for me that I want to share with the world. So this happens at 25, you go back to work four months later. I mean, you know, what happens between, because a couple of years have passed between, <laughs> between, you know, um, you know, let's just call it 26 and now, 
you're working, you're doing this thing. And I understand I've watched, I've watched the, the, the clips of you playing. I've, I've seen you at Fenway Park. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, you know, is he a Red Sox fan? I'm a Royals yeah, fan. Sure. I'm a Royals yeah. fan. Oh my God. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of life that's happened in that time. What's that been like? It's been incredible. And I have, I went back to school after my accident. I finished up my college. I went and got my teaching degree. So I taught middle school math for 20 years, uh, seventh grade math, incredible times, yeah. incredible times, great kids. Parents, eh, not so much, but the kids are incredible. <laughs> uh, I also coached my high school where I played at my high school basketball team for 20 years. And the, the, the key, and I did a lot of great things. You know, I was trying so much after my accident to find that one sport that I've been an athlete my entire life and I've been successful at everything. But after my accident, I was trying to find that one sport where I can, you know, dig into and find that niche and that's going to fuel the fire. I'm such a competitor, Travis. It's, it's my fault. Right. I'm a, Let me, do, you, do you hate losing more than you like winning? Absolutely. Right. 100, 100%. Man, I hate everything I do. I mean, it drives my wife nuts. Everything I do, I compete at. But I th also think that's a good thing. That's, you know, the level I'm at right now as far as being a Paralympian and one of the, you know, the best in the country are doing what I do. Let's talk but, about that. Let's talk. Yeah. You're, 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 you've reforged yourself. You've got this going and you decide, uh, uh, you know, a lot of guys our age aren't like competing at a high level. I, I, and, you know, I compete in weightlifting and I, for my age, I'm doing all right. I'm competing at the national level, but it's still it's work. And you understand that. What in the world, Steve said, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do curling. What, what, what is that? 43 years old. One day I went to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Never been there before in my life. I check into my hotel. I say, hey, you know, what do I do? I'm not from here. Well, they say you need to go to Woods Hole. Go to this place called Pie in the Sky. And if they're listening, it's a shout out. I want some more food. Um, just kidding. I'm sitting there minding my own business. A beautiful day. It's on a harbor. I'm watching boats come in. I'm eating a cinnamon roll, I think. And this gentleman, about 55 or so, comes up to me and he says, excuse me, are you local? I said, no, I'm from Connecticut, about two and a half hours away. And there was about 10 seconds of silence between us, Travis. And I'm, I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. And his hair slicked back. He's, you know, he looks Italian. I'm, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm dead here. Well, I'm getting stalked. I mean, I'm, I'm planning my, you know, escape off the pier. I'm going back down the hill, whatever it is. Finally, I said to him, do you mind telling me why you asked that? And he said, well, I trained with the Paralympic curling team here in the Cape, and I saw you pushing up the hill. And with your build, I can make you into an Olympian in a year. I'm like, hey, what the hell is curling? And B, where do I sign up? You know, I heard Olympics. Where do I sign up? His, his wife came around the corner. So the three of us talked for a while. I went home. I Googled it. I checked it out. Hey, is that something I could do? I went back to the Cape a week later, and I tried it out for the first time. Man, I was bit, Travis. I was absolutely. It got bit. you. Woo! That the very first stone, I. It's called throwing a stone. You really don't throw it. You push it on the ice. The very first stone I threw was like, wow, this is something I can do. Being an adaptive athlete, this is something I can compete. This is something I can do one on one. It's four on four. There's math involved. There's angles. There's geometry. There's circle. I mean, absolutely everything about the sport just bit me. In the last seven years, I am a six-time national champion. Uh, I am a six-time member of Team USA. Went to the 2018 Paralympic right. Games. Did the five world championships. We're preparing for another one coming up here. 
just absolutely incredible, incredible chance meeting. That man that stalked me that day is Tony Colaccio. Unfortunately, we lost Tony about a year and a half ago. Just an incredible, incredible human being. He was driving his truck down the road, Travis, when he saw me pushing. He parked his truck and he walked around the town for 45 minutes. <laughs> right? I got stalked. And I love the story. It's, and it's, it's just incredible. You know, why was I there that day? Why was he there that day? How It's incredible how things happen in the world. 43 years old, I have a decision to make. Do I want to pursue this opportunity to be a Paralympian and be one of the best in the country and represent this beautiful country we have, the United States of America, and travel the world and compete? A lot of sacrifices, money, family, time away from work, time away from family, all that stuff. But again, I had a decision to make. So I went through my process. I got to determine, I got to educate, create, implement, don't ever give up, and then evaluate. And here I am now representing the United States of America, traveling the world and competing for this beautiful country we have. Let me ask you this. What's it like when you're, you know, coming out on your wheelchair and they're announcing the athletes and you hear, you know, your team's name or your name, Mm -hmm. you know, Steve Imp, United States of America. What's that like? Well, I got to grab a tissue, man. You're killing me. Well, absolutely. It's incredible. It is incredible. In my opinion, the two greatest honors we can have as American individuals is to serve our country in the military and serve our country as you know athletes in the Olympics. And I've been blessed and fortunate enough to do both of those. To cut to the Paralympic Games, the opening ceremonies, 50,000 people in the crowd in South Korea, millions of people watching on TV. And there I am right behind the United States of America flag, waving. Incredible, incredible experience. Goosebumps is thinking about it. The most, the proudest moment of my life, without without a doubt, being involved in those Olympic Games. And because it's not just you, right? It, it is the other Americans, the other disabled Americans who have, in, in their own way, overcome this. And they're there because they want to do this and represent their country. It's got to be a, 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 a surreal feeling. Surreal is the absolute world, the absolute word. And you, and you, and you nailed it with, with everybody. It's not just me. It's my, it's my family, my loved ones, my community, my school, my work, uh, the people around town. It's everybody that never thought they could get there. You know, I'm 43 years old. I'm minding my own business one day at the Cape eating a freaking cinnamon roll. And, couple, you know, four, five years later, I'm in Pyeongchang, South Korea, representing the United States of America. This could happen to anybody hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of hours traveling, a lot of days away. But you know what? I represent everybody in that situation. Anybody can do, you put your, you know, I tell people don't, don't set your mind to it because a lot of times we're crazy up here in the mind. You know what? Put it in your heart. You really want something, put it in your heart, write your goals down. When I was trying to make the Paralympic team, I had goals written all over my apartment. I had yellow sticky notes all over the place with my goal. I would refer to them every day. I'm not, I'm doing this today, 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 because this is what I want. And it worked out for me. I'm blessed and fortunate to be able to do what I do. So just maybe we got a little ahead of ourselves, but just tell us a little bit about curling. Now I watch it on TV. Like I said, uh, of all the winter Olympic sports, for whatever reason, the last 10 years of my life, I will sit there for hours 
and watch these people throw stones. And I am just amazed at how they can bend and move and they thread these incredible distances and, and with accuracy, how does that all work? And what, what is it about that you just, you can't get enough of it, Steve? The, the main thing that drives me is that it's a sport that cannot be beat. You know, I, I kind of relate it to, in that sense, kind of relate to golf. You, you can't get 18 holes in one. There's no way. But you can try as hard as you can to try to do that. So that's, that's what gets me about the sport. Now, I think what's amazing, and I agree with you, too, as far as watching curling, it's, you know, it's, it's men and women screaming out a piece of granite. Now, basically, that's what it is, right? They're sweeping and they're yelling at you, stupid rock, a 42-pound piece of granite that's on ice, that's moving in different directions. It's, it's insane. Now, the difference between able-bodied and wheelchair curling is that we don't sweep. Now, sweeping... Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. You don't sweep? We that's don't a sweep. major part of it. That's, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. Sweeping a lot of times makes a bad shot look good. So if you're watching curling able-bodies and they start sweeping right away real hard, that means the shooter was didn't do their job. Now, we don't have that because it would be kind of, it would be comical actually to try to watch us kind of wheel down the ice and sweep. And there'd probably be a lot of more people falling out of their chairs on the ice. That's for sure. But so we don't sweep. So we're basically aiming at a spot that is about the size of a garbage can lid, 130 feet, 140 feet away on ice where one day that curl might be two feet. The next day it might be eight feet. It changes every day, it changes with every shot. The ice is continuously changing with the people in there and the time of day. And there's so many factors that come into it. It's an incredible, incredible sport. So when I think 140 feet, I'm thinking like 45, 46 yards, give or take a few, you know, marine math. And, <laughs> and, and, and what I'm saying is, okay, an NFL field goal kicker at 46 yards has what, 30, a 30 feet upright to get the ball through. Yeah, we, yeah way too much. Yeah. And that's considered, yeah. yeah, you did a good job. And you're, you're threading the needle for a garbage can on ice from your wheelchair in the same distance. <laughs> yes, sir. Delivering with a stick that is attached to the, to the or, you know, we hold in our hands too. So, yeah, if you're, if you're talking about the field goal kickers, then yes, show me the money. I guess I need to get paid more. I'm, I'm telling you. And I watched one of your shots and, and, and you know, the announcer and I were like, I'm, I'm totally great. To, I mean, that was an incredible shot, but you did some too that, for lack of a better term, bent. How do you, how from a wheelchair do you get that stone to, to move that way? It's, a, it's actually not anything that we do. It's what the ice is doing on that day. Okay. Everywhere you Everywhere you go in the world, every curling club, every it's different. Some days, like I said, might be two feet of curl. Some days might be eight feet of curl. And when so, you say two feet of curl, what's that mean? That basically that that's how much the stone is going to curl. So if you're in, if you want the stone to end up, let's say, at point A, when you release it, you got to release it two feet to the right or two feet to the left of point A to allow that stone to curl into point A. Hence curling. Okay. And, Curling. Now, every ice situation, every surface, every building we're in is different. So you really need to watch the first couple stones and see how much it's curling. Some are faster, some are slower than others. So the speed comes into it. But it's 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 a mental, 99% mental. I mean, I'm 51 years old. These guys that are curling in everybody's and sweeping are, you know, you know, mid-20s. And these guys are machines. I'm 51. I'm past my prime. 
But you know what? I'm one of the best in the country because it's just muscle memory. Thousands and thousands and thousands of, you know, I do stuff in my bedroom here as far as dry firing with my stick. I'm throwing stones and imagining where they're going every day. That's what it takes. Incredible sport. Oh, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So, you know, there's the whole don't give up and evaluate component to this all the time. So, you, you know, I'm having a great time. I'm hoping it's going mean, to, I mean, I'm in Massachusetts. I'm a transplant. I mean, we're not that far apart. We got to do this in person. And actually, I've heard of the, the, the club on the Cape before. Yep. So there, there's possibilities here. But as it closes down, I mean, you, you're married, right? You, you've got yes. a wife. Yep. What's it like for your wife watching you do this? And I'm a person by because at our age, a lot of us are past our primes. We're not Tom Brady. <laughs> but there you are in the fight. You know, you're you're trying to compete the very best you can be at that time. What do you think it means to her to see you do that when a lot of men are working on holding the couch down? Right. Yeah, I, I'm blessed. I'm fortunate to have the support of my wife and my my two boys and my family to to travel. I'm leaving this Wednesday for Wisconsin for a week. You know, two weeks from now, we're leaving for Finland for two and a half weeks. So I do a lot of traveling and I, I am absolutely blessed. And to answer your question, I will I will sum it up with this. When I was in Pyeongchang, and again, I'm trying to I'm going to try to hold back the tears here. Pride, tears of pride. When I was in Pyeongchang, when I was in Pyeongchang competing, uh, my wife sent a picture of our living room with my two boys and they had my jerseys on. And she's behind them and they're sitting on the ground watching the TV and on the TV is me curling. And, you know, to see them watching me and I got goosebumps and to see my name in the USA on their backs. And they're not, they're not my boys by blood. I married into them, but I consider them my own, obviously to see that, that, that summed it up right there. The amount of pride that the three of them have and what a four of them, because I've got an incredible dog too, but the amount of pride <laughs> that they have in, in knowing and knowing what I'm doing and knowing the sacrifice and knowing that I, you know, I got up at six this morning to drive two hours to New Hampshire to practice for two hours and then drive two hours back. You know, I drive 20 hours. I drive to New Hampshire. I drive to Boston just to practice, to be able to maintain my skills, to do what I do. They're seeing that the boys are seeing how much it takes to be one of the best curlers in the United States of America and represent our country. And I think that's an incredible, incredible life lesson that, you know, I'm teaching to them without even trying to. They're just witnessing it. But the pride is incredible. And it's I'm blessed and fortunate to have incredible people in my life to support me. Well, speaking of support, I mean, one thing I know from Olympic weightlifting is it's not like, you know, the, the MLB, NHL or, you know, NBA. A lot of athletes have to pay a lot of money out of their own pocket. A lot of teams like the bobsled teams have to pay a lot of money together to get to go. It's not... It's kind of weird in this country that, you know, Olympic athletes don't get the same kind of support as the professional athletes do. How can people support your journey and your team going to do this? That's, that's a great question. And thank you for asking that. And you're absolutely right. We, we, I probably spend every year close to $20,000 out of my own pocket just to do what I do and to be able to represent our country. And that's not, that's not a knock on, you know, USA curling or the United States Olympic curling committee. When I just, there's a funding's not there. And, and we realize that. And that's, that's, you know, part of the, 
you know, the educating myself when I had to make a decision seven years ago, do I want to do this? That's part of the education, part of my action plan to lay out all this stuff. So what we're doing right now with, we're teaming up with Dean Wagner over Authentically American. And again, you know, we, he and I touched base, you know, we were there in, in, in 89. So doing the math, you know, it's 32 years later, Dean comes back into my life, say, listen, I see what you're doing. And I'm like, I see what you're doing. You know, Team USA and Authentically American, a beautiful match, incredible company, uh, veteran owned, 100% American made. So we're running a t-shirt promo right now with some curling t-shirts that, you know, sweat activation that are incredible technology. That's going on until the 22nd of March. And then we also, we've got a GoFundMe page set up that, uh, you know, I will forward you the link if you want that. And at any time, if there's any corporations or companies out there, we're always, always looking for corporate sponsors. Uh, put your name on a jersey when we travel the world and we compete for Team USA. You know, your, your company's logo, your company's name will be right there on our chest or on our arm with us. So many ways you can help us out, whatever it is. We greatly appreciate it. We, we can't do this without, without the help of our friends and family and communities. And it is much appreciated, whatever, whatever, we, whatever you can do. Well, it's very important. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the links to um, Steve's GoFundMe will be in the show post on all the social media links. You're going to see uh, the, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you can't see it, but there's going to be, you know, the, the image of the shirt you've seen in the, in the show links to that. And I got a couple because I thought it was very cool. You don't see a lot of curling stuff. So I thought, you know, no, no, no question about it. And if you are a corporate sponsor and you believe in, you know, Olympic athletes and, and American Olympic athletes and Paralympic athletes, it's a no brainer. And, um, you know, I'm going to check out your book. I'm going to link that book to Amazon too, because I, I really like the whole uh, way the side kind of really jump starts change in someone's life. I think that's a very important distinction to make. A lot of people miss that, Steve. Yeah, I agree with you. And a lot of people are, you know, stuck around, especially now with the masks on and everything going on, you know, it is, I'm a, I'm a people person. A lot of people now are just, are just set in their own ways and don't want to make that change and don't want to decide to either, you know, get out of a bad relationship or get out of a bad job or, or, or get a better job, whatever it might be, again, good or bad. Everything, everybody's going through some stuff. And if we just, you know, take the time to sit back and go through these steps in the book and really empower ourselves we can, we will do this. Life is beautiful. Well, as we wind down, it, it just really during this time of COVID, and you know, I talked to so many veterans, you know, who are trying to start their own businesses or jumpstart their life and they don't know how to do it, or it seems insurmountable. I mean, your story has inspired me tonight. I hope for all of you who are watching this interview with Steve Emt that you come away with a, an idea that you can take action in your own life. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. And thank you, Travis. I really appreciate your time. Appreciate your, all your audience out there listening. And uh, thank you very much. So let's get behind Steve and the Paralympic uh, curling team as they go for gold. I love it. Uh, as we say, Oscar Mike Rita, we are mission in flight and Steve certainly in flight with his mission. Steve, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate it.